much love. Give me all your lovin', all your hugs and kisses too. It's season five of Ravish Love. We made it, baby. We did. Hello, Renee. Hello. We are back for season five, and it is our Valentine's Day episode. So happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you so much. I love you too. You are the love of my life. That's a mutual feeling, but I also, I really love my cat. Oh, that's fair. Barb, Barb can join us. So can my cat Zoe. We could just be stereotypes. I'm into it. We're a beautiful baby. Like our um our AI baby. <laughs> um also do you wanna tell folks that even though we've been on hiatus and we're back, it's not because you're dying, even though you sound like you are, you're just real sick right now. <laughs> yeah, I just have a cold, guys. It's we live in a COVID world and I don't think it's COVID, but it's something. Yeah. And, there's uh, RSV and hand, foot, and mouth, and like strep oh, throat. And there's so much shit circulating. And Renee, I mean, she lives to give, and that includes germs. So that includes kisses on the mouth to my children. Um Yeah. And you know what? Some people frown upon it, but one day they're not gonna want to kiss me on the mouth anymore. And uh I mean, I'll be healthier then, but <laughs> I'll also be a little dead inside. So I'm going to take the mouth kisses, <laughs> not open mouth. These aren't open mouth kisses. I want to be very clear. These are children. Yeah. And they're just, it's bizoula. Little bizou bizous. Yeah. But children are yeah. gross and vectors of disease, even though we love them. 100%. So that is why Renee is perpetually ill. So we have a short and sweet return to yield ravage love um and we're talking about valentine's day and renee i really hope that the book i read this week is not an indication of how this season is gonna roll (laughs) because i'm upset about it i got Um, bamboozled by this book (laughs) no surprise you know surprise you know what we we decided to do this very quickly even though we knew we were going to come back for valentine's you're traveling and everything and so we just we we didn't put the effort in to get winners, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You know what? This is just like a little, um, a little amuse bouche. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little appetizer for the rest of the season because yeah, our schedules yeah. were just chaos and mayhem, and then we're like, oh my god, Valentine's Day is coming up, and I have a very long overdue vacation to Mexico the week of Valentine's Day. So as you are listening to this episode, lovely listeners, I will be on a beach. Um, sipping a virgin pina colada, aka pineapple juice, and <laughs> living my best life. So, I was looking for something Valentine's Day specific and yeah. fairly short because didn't have a lot of time. Well, it turns out that so the book I got was from the ebook store, and it was classified as a romance. But there was no romance in it, and it's because it is a novella as part of a broader series of the Reed Brothers, R-E-E-D, and this is just a little accompaniment novella. So it's about love, but not romantic love. So it's it's still a a book about love and Valentine's Day, but more um, family love and community love. That's the worst kind. I mean, come on. Also, who, who? Okay, Renee, did you ever watch Barry? I watched a little bit, but um, I, I thought it was boring. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, and I heard it gets better, but I I didn't give it a a chance. Okay, yeah. So for people who don't know, ba- the Barry is an HBO half hour show starring Bill Hader and the dude who I literally only know him from. <laughs> King of the Hill and Office Space. Bill Dotrieve. Bill Dotrieve. That's literally how I know him is Bill Dotrieve. Um, Steven. Uh, Steven. Something. Something Steven. And the guy who plays anyway. Fonz, the Fonz, um, Henry Winkler. And the premise is Bill Hader in the show is an assassin by day who dreams of being an actor. And so he has this dual life as both a 
terrible up and coming actor in LA and an assassin. (laughs) And there's this iconic scene. So Henry Winkler is his acting coach and he is trying to work through a scene with him. And Henry Winkler is reading through the scene and then he goes, you say the title of the movie in your lines. And Bill's like, yeah. And he's like, that means you won't get cut. They never cut those scenes. And so now every time I watch a movie, I recently watched for the first time Black Hawk Down, which I do not recommend. It's not great. Um, But at one point they say Black Hawk Down. And they said, they'll never cut you from the movie. (laughs) So I say this because my book is called A Valentine's Day Miracle. by tammy faulkner and if this isn't a fucking valentine's day version of a what's a christmas story or whatever what's the one with scrooge what's Uh, is it christmas story no no. fuck oh my god how are we drawing a blank on this right now it was just christmas Uh, it was just christmas uh Oh my. The night before Christmas? Oh. No, no, no. Chris, no. God! Oh my God. Charles, Charles Dickens. <laughs> a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Okay. It's called Great Expectation. No, I'm kidding. No. Okay. <laughs> it's called The Tale of Two Cities? No. Um, a Christmas Carol. Okay. It's This book is basically a Christmas Carol set at Valentine's Day. Who? Oh. It is so cheesy and so bad. And it is, it was about a hundred pages. So like it was the shortest one I could find and still it was too long, but oh, okay. So Paul Reed, one of the brothers Reed, lives in an apartment building that he owns with all of his siblings. And he helped raise his siblings because his mother died young. And the Reeds are basically the benevolent white people of this unnamed town. Everyone loves them because they're just so generous. And they started a tradition every Valentine's Day where instead of buying someone in your life a gift or taking them out to dinner, you use that money to pay it forward. And needy people in the town have a website where they can submit requests for help and wishes. Basically, it's like a -a make-a-wish situation. And people can answer their calls and every kind gesture that is committed, a light bulb gets added to this big heart that they then light up on Valentine's Day to show all the good deeds that have happened in the community. Following me so far. Okay. <laughs> the point is, Valentine's Day is the day for love, Renee. So pay it forward, do something good. Tell people you did something good so you can get a light bulb and a giant heart, okay? <laughs> So, like, we're already seeing some holes in this fucking plot of, like, not real benevolent if you're doing it for recognition. So, Paul Reed, this beautiful, generous man, is walking down the street with his daughter, Haley, who, when she speaks to him, he can't hear her over the wind because they're in a snowstorm. And he keeps saying, what's that, little girl? What's that, little girl? Who the fuck talks to their children like this if they're not in a goddamn church? Yo, my dad still calls me little girl, and it's fucking gross. It's so. gross! It's so yeah. gross. And also just contrived in this context. Like, it's just so hokey. So Paul's walking down the street with his daughter, Haley, and they are, you know, bracing themselves against the snow. And she's like, oh, I wish, I wish that people didn't have to live like that. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, that little girl who's sleeping in the alley. And he's like, what? There's no girl in the alley. And then he looks... And sure enough, there's like a teenage girl and then she sees him and she runs off into this like basement door and runs into it. And he's like, no, no, see, she's not homeless. She lives there. And she's like, no, I see her there all the time. She is homeless. And he's like, no, she's not. And she's like, please, please, tomorrow, if the weather's bad again, like, can you go and check on her and make sure she's okay? She's like, how is she not living the way that we live? And like, basically, like this woman is destitute because she doesn't live in a house like we do. So he goes home and his entire family is there because that's how they roll all the time and he says oh yeah Haley's on there but i don't think she's homeless and everyone's like oh yeah absolutely she's homeless that is miracle the 16 year old homeless girl (laughs) who 
lives in the alley and that basement. And um, she every time she's apprehended by child services or whatever, she gets put into a group home and she escapes. And she has she roams the streets with her mother. Um, but, you know, I guess they haven't seen her mother in a few weeks. So she might be alone. We don't know. But she doesn't ever want help from people. And she's real skittish. Um, so, no, she definitely is a homeless teenager. And he's like, oh, my God, this is awful. So then he goes the next day, as promised, to go and check up on her and can't find her. And then, but goes to look in that basement where she was, opens it up, finds like 30 people living in this abandoned basement. And then he's like walking around and finds a group of like children as well. And there's like an older man there who's like, who goes there? (laughs) And they're like, just turn to Oliver Twist. (laughs) Exactly. And then he's like, I'm Paul Reed, or it's one of the Reed brothers. He gets the whole family into it anyways. And they're like, do you know where she is? And he's like, no, she's gone for the day, but what do you want to do with her? Leave her alone. And they're like, we're just trying to help. And he's like, we don't need a handout. We need a hand up. (laughs) (laughs) And basically it's like miracle is a miracle. And she, um, like through your make a wish situation routinely gets blankets for us and food. And so she told us we could stay here, um, during the storm. And so that's why we've decided to camp out here. We don't need anything. Um, please leave her alone. She's basically a drifter and that's the way we like her. So don't try to tell her what to do. And so they're like, okay, well we can't just like live in a world where a bunch of people, including children live in a like unheated shitty basement in this part of town. But they also don't want help and you can't force them to get help. So then they come home and they brainstorm and they were like, okay, well, can we at least turn on the heat in that building so that they can squat in the basement, but at least they have some fucking heat. And one of them is like, well, you know who owns that building? And they're like, who? (laughs) Lady Humbug. Lady Humbug is an old cantankerous bitch who doesn't (laughs) like any joy. She's constantly getting upset about the benevolent things that the Reed family is doing. So one year, Julie, that's not her real name, is it? They call her Lady Humbug until the end when you have the plot (laughs) twist. Okay. 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 But like, they don't even say like, they continue to name call her Lady Humbug in every sentence that they speak about this woman, which like realistically is not how people talk. I wouldn't be like, Julie alone said this. Julie alone said this. You know what I mean? You would be like, Julie, Julie, she, whatever. It's literally her full name every time. And this old cantankerous bitch is always <laughs> shitting on their joy. So they're doing a big, um, you know, the, the matriarch of the Reed family before she died, she started this like winter snowsuit fund, basically, which like we have one here in Ottawa. I'm sure there's one in Edmonton where you donate old coats and snowsuits to kids. And not only have I done snowsuit drives for those things, I at a time got all my snowsuits for my kids there. So I'm very familiar Perfect. doing the Lord's work. <laughs> doing the Lord's work. So she was doing that. And then old lady humbug was like, no, you're going to spread lice. <laughs> And so <laughs> then they got the local laundromat to volunteer to let them do, to clean the coats there. So then she couldn't complain. And then there was like some other, they, even the putting of the heart up in the middle of the city, they were like, no, it's a terrible idea. She just shits on everything and she's mean and she's nasty. And so they're like, we'll never get her to turn the heat on in that place. She's the worst. Well, then you're like, okay, what are we going to do? I mean, Miracle's mom is missing. No one knows where she is. Miracle's a drifter. It's the dead of winter, which I will say, one of the things I did like about this book as someone who has only ever lived in Canada is so many of the just stories like movies and romance, whatever about Valentine's Day are set in like California where everyone is like on a patio having a romantic dinner or some shit. And like 
February is the worst time to go out on a hot date in Canada. Like, it's so cold. It's so awful. So I did kind of appreciate that at least this book was, like, giving me a realistic experience of Valentine's Day, which is, like, she cold as shit. So the Reed family is, like, you know, I'm going to assume very white and very, um, like, just, yeah, acting like they're the good Samaritans of this town and doing that like faux modesty bullshit of like, Oh no, it's no bother. I mean, we just dedicate our entire lives to helping other people, but it's fine. Like that's the energy this fucking family is giving me the whole time. (laughs) So then you find out the M night Shyamalan plot twist. Are you ready? I am ready. Lady humbug is actually Miss Baumgartner. And the reason why she's a cantankerous bitch is because her daughter was addicted to, and I use the words from the book, a direct quote, hardcore drugs. <laughs> and then she put her in, she paid for her to go to rehab a bunch of times and it didn't work. And then she just became, and then she had a baby and then she became a drifter. And oh my God, Miracle is her granddaughter. And Miracle's mother's name is Joy. And Joy has been found dead so lady humbug has to go identify the body of her daughter (coughs) and she's in denial about it but it's definitely her and then she's like was it drugs did she overdose and the doctor was like your daughter had been clean for years she had a heart condition and she's like what do you mean she'd been clean for years and he was like yeah your daughter like was a hero in the community she helped people get work she helped homeless people access their voting rights she helped people get health care she was like volunteering to help women leave abusive situations like your daughter got clean when she got pregnant you know that right and she's like i didn't know that she's eat a dick humbug right so then (laughs) so then she leaves okay and she's all distraught obviously and then she she collapses on the sidewalk and one of the reed brothers finds her and they find out through her that joy was my daughter and she's dead and so then people start talking about oh my god you know lady humbug is experiencing this thing but then people are like oh my god miracles are now fucked like every night she's roaming the streets looking for her mom and her mom is dead like so somehow through the grapevine miracle finds out that her mother is dead and what does she do she steals her mother's body because what? she suspects that her grandmother, Ms. Lady Humbug, was going to put her in this bougie funeral home and have a bougie, like, open casket, like, very traditional. And she's like, that's not my mother's speed. So she steals the body. Like, I'm like, how? Are we talking Little Miss Sunshine style where you wrapped her up and you threw her in the back of a van? I don't know. And then mm-hmm. somehow, even though she's homeless gets her mother cremated and then plants so expensive right and then through the make a wish they end up planning her because the community loved this woman so much they end up planning her this big wedding oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) funeral 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 my bad it's a valentine's day miracle (laughs) oh it is renee because when is joy's funeral valentine's day but the miracle is that she got brought back to life and she had a wedding and she married one of the reeds and now she's rich. Instead, what happens is she has this big old funeral where as, and like the writing is so fucking corny, as the funeral's about to start, Miracle walks in and then as she's walking up to the podium, she just sheds layers of her clothes. And then I'm like, is she going to get naked? Like, da fuck? But no, it's because she's homeless so she has all these and she just drops the clothes in the middle of the aisle and then goes up and gives this beautiful eloquent speech about how my name was miracle but my mother was the real miracle and then what does lady humbug do renee what does she she do she fucking heckles (laughs) (laughs) julie julie this is beat for beat my mom's funeral don't you remember (laughs) i was the one heckling at your mom's funeral don't get it twisted oh my god so like literally she'd be like my mom gave me everything and then lady humbug's like except a home (laughs) (laughs) 
funny or satirical. It's supposed to be like, like I'm just like she was a beautiful soul uh, in your dreams. Like that's like <laughs> insanity is going on at this funeral, and everyone. And then then Miracle is like, I'd like to invite anyone who wants to share a story about my mother. And people go up and tell these like beautiful stories, and Lady Humbug's just fucking chirping them the whole time (laughs) and then she goes up at the end grabs the urn and walks out with it and then someone chased her down the street she's like i'm not giving it back i'm not giving it back and they're like no 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 miracle doesn't want you to bring it back she wants you to give you this envelope so she like snatches out of her hands goes home opens the envelope and it has a note from miracle saying like i'm paying it forward to you and includes a little light bulb for the heart that's going up in town and this oh is a po- and this single-handedly thaws this bitch's heart even though she was just heckling at her daughter's funeral julie grief does terrible <laughs> things to people <laughs> and then the book ends and i'm just gonna read it to you renee because it's just okay. truly now I didn't tell you this because I didn't want to spoil it, but the very beginning of the book, and I think I know why the author did this, the very beginning of the book is a grandmother reading a book to children and explaining the origin story of their lives. And then a girl in the audience named Miracle just smiles at her and says, that's right, grandma, you tell them. So the author wanted you to know right away, the children are going to be okay. (laughs) If you had any concerns. So then she says, um, then, okay. So grandma gets the light bulb. She begrudgingly starts to thaw her heart. She goes to the town square for the lighting of the thing. She goes to put the light bulb on. And then, um, they're like, oh my God, you're part of the community now. And now we understand why you're such a bitch because you were grieving your daughter who you had basically been, you know, had buried a long time ago. And then they literally hold hands and they flip the switch together and the light, the whole heart lights up. This whole thing would make me sob. Like it sounds so like peak cheesy and corny. And I would be like, Oh, I know. If this was a movie, I would have recommended it to you and been like, bring 40 boxes of Kleenex and like be in your feelings. But as a book, (laughs) the dialogue is so contrived. It's like so intense. And it's very clearly just like taking a Christmas movie and storyline and applying it to Valentine's Day, which again, I think is kind of creative in that sense. But I look down at the children sitting around my feet. And every year since, we have had a heart in the square on Valentine's Day, and Miracle and I have lit it together. Miracle starts college this year, and she wants to be a social worker. And your heart, it's not frozen anymore? One little boy asks. My heart is not frozen. It's open and full and ready to accept love. Because isn't that what Valentine's Day is all about? The boy jumps from his seat and rushes towards me. He nearly bowls me over, but I don't say a word. I just hug him. I love your stories, he says quietly. Me too, Miracle says from where she now stands behind me. Joy surrounds us, in us, around us, on us, and I am grateful. Miracle and I walk home side by side. It's cold, but at least it's not snowing this year. We look at the mural that Logan Reed painted on the side... (coughs) Excuse me, on the side of the building near where we live. It's a mural of joy and miracle, and it's beautiful. Logan also refreshed the mural of his family, so now you can see it when you're standing on the street corner, and every now and then, random murals show up that say things like, be kind or stay strong. Every so often, I send the Reed brothers paint just to keep them going. So, Miracle says slowly, it's a prompt, I know that much. Tomorrow, I'll be helping the volunteers at the thrift thrift store sort clothing. Do you want me to come and help, I ask? She smiles and nods. I was hoping you would offer. I'll be there. We go into the apartment and I see Joy's urn still sitting in its place on the mantel. But what's important is what's next to it. For in a clear, simple glass jar, I have all of the tiny plastic lights that were laid at my feet that night. They are my most prized possessions. Oh, Miracle says, turning to face me. Next week, there's a special dinner for the homeless. Do you want to go? Only if I can serve the mashed potatoes, I reply. She smiles and nods at me and my heart is so full and warm that I can barely breathe. D and what a freak 
only if I could scoop those mashed potatoes. All right, Grandma, calm the fuck Set down. down, Lady Humbug. Jesus. Yeah. More like Lady Humpbug, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick. <laughs> I was like, take it back. <laughs> so, um, no spice. Um, there was like I, I cut out a lot because there was also all of this stuff with like the different brothers and their wives and their children and like unnecessary Wait, did, details isn't it a novella how does it have so much in it it was 76 pages and it had all of that yeah, in oh it. yeah it was too much Jeez. it was way too much it was a lot but again because it's a novella as part of a series i'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt of like okay maybe if you read the other series like maybe that's like if you read the whole series maybe you know these characters and so i don't know i don't know where this fits in the series i know i'm not gonna read anything else that she writes so i'm not <laughs> like real invested in looking at it but um yeah that was me that was me this week renee um wow yeah so no spice nothing not for- even the the hump bug comment <laughs> <laughs> oy, oy, oy. so yeah now tell us what did you read this week julie let me get straight to the point oh okay i read a 16 page banger called my <laughs> tentacle romance <laughs> romance oh no no, no it was <laughs> my, my tentacle romance the best valentine's day ever um Holy fuck renee i love this so much i read like <laughs> the equivalent of like i honestly in my book kept waiting for them to be like and the spirit of jesus like it was giving that energy of like a christian novel it wasn't mm-hmm. but it absolutely gave me the impression that it was and so i just love that you were like my tentacle romance <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't going to fuck around for this uh, uh, season opener. Um, <laughs> You're like, we're starting strong, baby. <laughs> okay. I had I had two requirements. Oh, okay. One, that it was Valentine's Day. And, that, and the second was that it was short. It was just a plus that it was tentacle <laughs> But I digress. Tell us everything. I'll try it. I'll try and make it short. Um, in, from the 16 page book I read. <laughs> so Jen is out for Valentine's Day. She's made a made an effort. She just, you know, she really wants things to work with Mark, but Mark doesn't really notice anything. And so they're out at this restaurant, really far away from her house. She's all dressed up, and he's just I don't know. They, they don't describe what he's wearing, but based on his character, I'm assuming he wore sweatpants like to this restaurant. <laughs> um, and he breaks up with her. And she's like, on Valentine's Day? He's like, oh, is that what today is? And Rude. she's like, you know what? Like, you forgot my last two birthdays. I don't know how long they've been together. She's like, but you, you forgot my last two birthdays. You're a piece of shit. You're doing this in, you know, at a restaurant on Valentine's Day. She ends up throwing her wine on him. And he's like, no, baby. Babe, wait. Babe. Babe, wait. And she's like, fuck you. And so she leaves. So she's driving home. I guess she has, like, an old car or something. because. It just dies. And I was like, oh, Julie, Julie knows that. Yeah, Julie I was just about feel. to say, I'm like, is this turning into the life and times of Julie alone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jen is like, okay, well, I'm closer to my house now than I am to the restaurant. Um, it's starting to like drizzle a little bit, but she's like, whatever, I'll just walk home. I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a nice warm bath. This is good. This is good for me. All right. I'm disappointed. Sure. But like, this is good. So she gets out of her car and she starts walking and uh, she is like, oh shit, because it's, it's getting terrain heavier and heavier. So she's like, fuck, I, I got to find somewhere just to hunker down until the rain passes. So she spies a cave. As and you do. Uh, she, yeah, I don't know where she is, but there's caves there. And um, so she, she goes to the cave and she's like, hello. <laughs> she's like, Nobody answers. She's like, this is good. <laughs> So she gets in the cave and it finally like we, like it just hits her like oh god I just got broken up with on Valentine's Day like that's so shitty like that's so shitty but she's like ah, you know she's like I just I wish I wish I wasn't in a cave in the rain <laughs> on Valentine's Day you know 
You're like, you think it's bad to be single at home alone with your hogging dust? I'm in a fucking cave. Yeah, but here's the thing is that she's not alone. <gasps> she feels something press up against her and she's like, oh, what? What is that? And she turns around and there's a tentacle monster. Now, I don't know if in this in this universe, tentacle monsters are common or if people know they exist. I don't know what it looks like. I'm imagining like a giant like octopus thing um but the more i read the more it sounded like maybe it was like a humanoid shape so maybe like a sexy cthulhu i don't know um (laughs) but i'm just imagining like you know remember when we were kids and we would get those like sticky octopuses and you would throw them on the wall they call that hundo hundred percent that's that's what i imagined but like big okay okay so She's like, oh, okay, like, uh, it doesn't look like it's mean. So she just fucking hangs out with this tentacle monster. And uh, she's like, she like goes into her purse. And I guess, I guess it's like exploring her purse. because It's curious because it's like an octopus, I guess. And it's like pulling out things from her purse. And she's like, oh, that's my phone. And she's like, oh, that's my lipstick. But it's actually a vibrator. And she's like earlier. She was like, "I was gonna use it with Mark tonight." I was like, "You're gonna use a shitty little lipstick vibrator?" Yeah, I was like, "Bitch, upgrade!" Like, like this is the saddest Valentine's Day <laughs> before you even got to the cave. Yeah, it's like I can't wait to bust this out with Mark. It's like, really, you need to carry a lipstick if like if you have to carry a lipstick vibrator with you. On a Valentine's Day date with somebody who has missed two of your birthdays, meaning you've been together for years, that is a problem and you need to dump him. Like, that's better. Dump him, bitch. Like, dump him. Dump him. Dump him. Dump him. So anyway. So she's just like, oh, wow, this tentacle monster is so curious. And she's like showing him all the things. And then it unzips her dress and she's like, oh, what a little scamp. He's interested in the the zipper because he's curious. She's like, you know, I might as well take it off anyway. It's it's soaking wet. So she puts it out on a rock in the cave to dry. And then she's like, I wore matching panties and bra. They're very delicate and lacy. And I was like, nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a nobody really this cares about your underwear situation. Nobody. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not reading this for like the Sears spank section. I just <laughs> want to get to the tentacles. So she, and then it's like, well, then the tentacle monster was like looking at the lace of my my undies, my panties. I was like, no, it's not. And sure enough, it wasn't. It wanted to get them off. And then she's like, oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, buddy. <laughs> so she takes off her underwear. Um, the, this very important underwear that had its own moment in this fucking book, which is bullshit. I don't want to read about people's underwear. I hate it does julie it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter and i hate i'm gonna start this off right now every book i read this season that makes a point to mention the matching lacy underwear it'll be black or red every time every time we're never given a purple we're never given a pink or no uh chartreuse like it's always no no and here's the thing eggplant would be more suggestive but I, I can appreciate I can appreciate the appeal of lingerie. I think wearing pretty lingerie is more for the wearer than the person looking at it because it's like sometimes it's nice to buy yourself nice things. Sometimes it's nice to own expensive pretty things that have no purpose. Right? I, I mean, like I you, have multiple lingerie dressers. I'm here for this. Absolutely. And here's the thing. It's like I have a sloppy vagina. I'm not going to wear nice underwear. And I'm I'm I've had three kids. I'm not going to wear a thong. I'm just, I'm not going to wear that kind of stuff. I'm going to wear just shorts all the time because I don't care. And I want to feel more represented in these stories. Um, and like, any, where's the any, women wearing underwear from Costco? Where are those yeah, and whenever, bitches? <laughs> whenever, whenever we're reading books that close the orgasm gap and it's lesbians, they never comment on the underpants ever. It's true. Ever. Unless, unless it's like, oh, they pulled out their pack. Yeah, or like they're putting a strap on on. That's the only time, and it, so the, the lingerie is for the men in these instances. It's 100%. not for the women. Yeah, and the men do not give a shit. They don't give a shit unless they bought it for you. If they bought it for you, then they're like, "Good investment. I'm getting some." <laughs> but like, 
They just want it on the floor. They will rip it. They will straight up rip it. Oh, I know. No respect. No, it's bullshit. And you think a tentacle monster gives a <laughs> shit about what's on your body? No. No, because the second part of the title of this book, Julie, is a romantic tentacle pregnancy erotica. It already had a motive. It already had a motive. It didn't care about her underwear. It wanted it nowhere near her. So onward and upward, she gets out of her matching underwear and um, the tentacle monster just does her with the tentacles. And the tentacles are described as like slimy and lubricated and like tentacles right i don't know anything else about his body like he could just be like a koosh ball i don't know what he looks like <laughs> just rosie but, o'donnell uh, in the background sorry <laughs> yeah just flicking koosh balls <laughs> this is actually a lesbian erotica but um so she's getting on with this tentacle and then she's like and then this sound started to reverberate through the cave and the fucking tentacle monster pulled out her lipstick vibrator it's like that's too much mm-hmm. that's the that's the line that would not happen <laughs> The tentacle monsters, no interest in pulling. What was it going to do otherwise? It has tentacles. Yeah, it, just, it like, doesn't look, need like being help. With one of them. Yeah, no, it was stupid. That 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 was the most unbelievable part of the story was that it was like one second, <laughs> it got the lipstick bite. That's that's sad, but I digress. Um, so then I guess one of the tentacles starts pumping eggs in her, and she's like living for it, and uh, then. She comes all over the place, just like, like a hose, I guess. Um, and uh, she wakes up the next day. And she's like, "Wow, what a great night!" Ah, yeah. And the tentacle monster's gone, and she's like, "Oh no, where'd he go?" And then he walks in, I guess, or crawls in, or slimes in with like a big bouquet. She's like, "Oh my god, wow, that's so, that's so sweet, like it's so sweet. You got me this bouquet after such a beautiful night, and I've got this lovely bundle in my stomach." I guess, but I, you know, I got to get going, but I will, I will come back. I'll see you again soon. Obviously, because she's having his horde. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, she's like, my car's really far away. And the tentacle monster, without saying anything, was like, jingles her keys at her. And she's like, did you bring my car over here? How did you fix it? And she's like, oh, you're just like all lubricated all over. You know how to fix cars too? And then the... I guess it's just like, yeah, tentacle monster can do it all, baby. And uh, she drives <laughs> away with her her little bundle of eggs. And that was the story. And it was beautiful. It was wow. truly the, most, the best Valentine's Day ever. <laughs> if you if you can embarrass a man in a restaurant <laughs> on Valentine's Day, it is the best day ever. So, so yeah. like, was it hot at all? Immediately, it loses a point for the lingerie, but it gets a point for tentacles. Um, it was diff- I could. I mean, it wasn't hot because it was so short. Like, it, mm. you couldn't really put your yourself in it. Um, and then, of course, there's like the pregnancy element, which to me, there's nothing less sexy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was actually very well written. I like free of typos. Nice, good grammar. You know. And um, Amber Fox, the author of this particular story, um, has quite a catalog of other tentacle romance stories. Um, I would I would read them again because they're aside from my own personal distastes, the book was fine. It was fine. So yeah, I, you know, it, it, the tentacle sex could have been longer. Oh okay. Um, yeah, I mean, sixteen pages is not. Not a lot happens, so so right, it's fine. What are you gonna five read out of us five then? for just what it is? Um, I'm gonna read the end of the story. Uh, so pages um eight through sixteen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read the whole book for you. <laughs> I'm just gonna read the whole book for everybody. Um, no, this is the she's wo- she's w- woken up the next day. Okay. So. I just thought it was just really so casual and funny, and I I love that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Okay. I awoke as morning sun spilled into the cave. I lay on the ground with my dress spread beneath me. I touched my bulging belly and smiled. Yesterday evening had begun with a rocky start, but turned out to be beyond amazing. I looked up at the cave entrance. The tentacle monster strolled in. In its grasp was a magnificent collection of wildflowers, freshly picked this morning and arranged into a stunning bouquet. 
The monster held the bouquet out to me. I clasped my hands over my mouth. In that instant, my heart melted. I started to cry. The tentacle monster immediately became concerned. I smiled, tears still streaming down my face. Don't worry, these are tears of joy. I, I don't know what to say. Rather than try to find the words, I got to my feet and hugged the creature. We held the embrace, our bodies pressed together, connecting in that moment. I nuzzled against the creature. Thank you for last night, and for the flowers this morning, you've made this Valentine's Day perfect. The creature placed a tentacle on my belly and ran another tentacle down my hair in soothing strokes. I parted from the embrace, suddenly remembering my car. I just remembered! My car! It's all the way down the road and it's... <laughs> the tentacle monster held out my keys. I looked from my keys to the monster. Realization set in. You fixed my car? How? creature shook itself, sending slime flying everywhere. Stop, stop, you'll get it all over me, I laughed. So you oiled up my car engine in all the right places, I asked. The creature nodded its tentacles. You really do know which parts to lubricate. I speak from first-hand experience, I said, before giving the creature a kiss. As I did, the creature gave a pleasurable shudder. You're ticklish, I asked. I kissed the creature again, placing my lips to its sticky flesh. Its tentacles wriggled uncontrollably. It was ticklish. I grabbed one of the monster's tentacles and kissed it all the way down to its tip. The creature became a wriggling mess, overcome by the sensation. I grinned. Well, I'll remember that next time I come visit you, I said with a wink. It's settled then. I'll come visit you soon, but now I should probably head home. I gave the tentacle monster one final hug, then wormed my way into my dress. It pulled tight over my belly. I grabbed my belongings and set out for the road with purse and flowers in hand. I reached the road and, to my surprise, my car was right there waiting for me. Not only had the tentacle monster fixed it, but had driven it here as well. It had saved me a long walk down the road with my bulging tummy. I sat quietly for a moment. Thoughts of last night came to me. Despite the way the evening had started, it turned out to be the best Valentine's Day ever. I hadn't gotten any hearts, chocolates, or teddy bears, but I didn't care. I placed my hand over my tummy. I'd been gifted with something far more precious. Even now, I could feel the eggs growing beneath my fingers. I took in a deep breath and looked at the flowers on the seat next to me. Their sweet scent filled my lungs as adoration for the tentacle monster filled my heart. I'd be back to visit again soon and we'd share another glorious night together, but right now... I was going to head home and have myself a nice, long, hot bath. The end. Thank you. That was my tentacle romance. Um, <laughs> the best Valentine's Day ever. Literally the only thing about that book that appealed to me was that she got to have a nice bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just so casual. Like, <laughs> like wow, what a guy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just, I loved it. I loved it. It's so funny. Jesus Christ. And that, ladies and gentlemen, um, is the tone that we're going to set for this season. Oh, yeah. We're giving you zany, (laughs) weird, lady humbug, tentacle porn. We're fucking going there, bud. So strap in, because season five is going to be our wildest ride yet. And we have a big announcement at the end of season five. So you're going to want to stick with us. Um, next week, what are we doing for our next episode, Renee? Uh, Black History Month. Yeah. So February is Black History Month. So we thought, uh, important to start off with some Valentine's Day content, but also equally, if not more important to talk about, um, to read books by, about, whatever. So it's a bit of a dealer's choice situation. So, um, we're going to have a really great conversation about diversity in romance um, and the real lack of it. But also some of my favorite authors that we've read on the podcast are black women. Um, so I'm real stoked to dive into some of them and maybe also give you folks some recommendations at home of other authors. If we don't get to um, read them this month that you can also go and check out to support writers of color. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we go, though, um, I just wanted to share. um, I started reading the Old Farmer's Almanac (laughs) this year. Um, Okay, so can you explain to me what exactly is an almanac? 
Like, what is it? Um, it's like I w- not like Nostradamus for farmers. Like, what's happening? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and on the back, there's like an ad for. Um, it says, "Shield yourself from economic uncertainty with the reverse mortgage loan." And the 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 actor hawking it is Tom Selleck. So, oh my um, god, it's clearly for boomers. Yeah, it's clearly for boomers. But it has some <laughs> it's real gems porn. in it. <laughs> It really is. It really is. And my favorite thing about the Farmer's Almanac is that it also includes things that were printed in previous editions. Um, and it's hilarious. So I'm just going to share my, a few of my favorite gems. Um, I Can we just take a moment, though, and appreciate the fact yeah. that you're like, I just read Tentacle Porn. Additionally, I read the Farmer's <laughs> Almanac. I mean, talk about eclectic taste, woman. <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't I didn't read I haven't read the Farmer's Almanac start to finish because it gives you like every month, right? So every month it'll be like, "Oh, okay, December." And it gives you like farming tips for December and then like um dates, feasts, fast aspects, tide heights and weather and then like zodiac shit for farmers and then it's got like when is the sun going to rise and when is it going to set on the day and like what day of the year is it? Like, is it the day 52 of the year? Is it day 300 of the year? Pretty fucking handy, Julie, but here we go. Um, clearly, this was written for Boomers by Boomers because here are some, like, 2023 trends. Um, this is part of the Money Matters section, and I've been annotating this. Just oh, my like, God. <laughs> that's how I... So, one of them is um, Repair is All the Rage which I thought was fun. And then this one says smart money moves, downloading data that websites have about you, then uploading it to sell elsewhere. I was like, sell your your own data. Yeah. It's like Elon Musk behind this book. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Or Zuckerberg. That's that's what I'm fucking saying. It doesn't, I'm like, who did this? Okay. And so, um, planting days. So for Valentine's day, Traditionally, you plant peas on that day, on Valentine's Day, because it's said to uh, bring good luck. And also, lettuce is traditionally planted on uh, Valentine's Day. So if you're starting your seeds, those are the two you want to start on Valentine's Day, according to the Farmer's Almanac. Okay. And then lastly, um, they have some... These ones are reprinted from the 1980s old farmer's almanac and it says how happy is a clam and so forth by tim clark this is from the 1980 (laughs) farmer's almanac how happy is a clam we will probably never know exactly what makes a clam happy but people usually list a long life and true love among their hopes thus by human standards a clam has good reason to be happy because according to dr ida thompson of princeton university the clam is the foxy grandpa of the (laughs) invertebrate kingdom you know a man who wants to be called a foxy grandpa wrote that and was like no fucking kidding it was like um it's like in mean girls when they're like fetch and they're like stop trying to make fetch a thing exactly but here's the thing is that i've been saying foxy grandpa for like a decade now and clearly it started with tim clark so um Dr. Thompson has determined that a clam's bands correspond to the rings found in a tree trunk and can be used to determine its age. By this method, she's discovered that clams live as long as 150 years, assuming they are not made into chowder, (laughs) show no signs of aging other than adding bands, and remain sexually active throughout their lives. In fact, Dr. Thompson is uncertain whether these clams ever die of old age. So I was hoping this was going to be like, more about pussy um but (laughs) it's not so please know uh season five opener that now my pussy will be referred to as a foxy grandpa and (laughs) i don't want anyone to say otherwise please and thank you um i'll bring you some more um nuggets from the farmer's almanac (gasps) next week um is millet is millet the oldest grade crop Find out <laughs> episode two of season five. Uh, man, now we're gonna have to do a fucking farmers episode <laughs> this season. I think then you could really. We don't need to because I'm gonna do a farmers almanac <laughs> update every week. week. Yeah. Oh my god! I've, I've got some banana recipes. One of them won like 300 smackaroos. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm telling you right now. There's 
Listen, I got an ad here for some knee cream. <laughs> and like, do, don't they still sell those at like, yes. where you buy I it? Bought, like a, I bought this. Yeah, wherever you, but like physically you can get it like wherever you get paperbacks, right? Like from like shoppers and the grocery store. Like yeah. where did you buy it from? I actually got this one on Amazon. I don't know why. Um, it's number 231. It's a 2023 edition. Quote, useful with a pleasant degree of humor. We got, <laughs> I, we got honestly, Benjamin I Franklin on the front here. I swear every time I go to the pharmacy, it's like a staple in there. There's like romance, Harlequin romance, and like a John Grisham novel. And then the farmer's all in How often? Does it just once a year? Yeah, you just get one. Oh, the whole like, year. It was like the yearbook or the phone book. We used to get the farmer's almanac, but I never cracked it open. I never, I don't know why, but now I don't need well, to because Renee's going to do it now. for me. Oh my God. Do what? It for you, right now. you thought the Reed brothers were benevolent. You haven't met Renee. Yo, I just opened up onto page 86 here and they have a, they have a feature on Saunders family farm and vineyard. Oh my God. In Beamsville, Ontario. Oh my God. You old Saunders Girl. farm. Saunders Farm down in Ontario. Oh, they had the best spooky wagon ride. Even better than Canmore. Eat a dick, Canmore. <laughs> These are all extremely inside Ottawa jokes, but we're here for oh, it. Oh my God. Okay, but listen to this now. Listen to this now, bud. <laughs> you know the article that I just, that little clam thing? Yeah, Foxy yeah. Grandpa? Well, I just opened onto page uh, 101 and there's an in memoriam for Tip Clark, the guy who wrote it. <laughs> But we'll come back to that next week. So you're Ooh. not going to want to miss oh my episode God. two, season five of Ravage Cliffhanger over here. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Okay. Incredible. What a start. Chaos yeah. and mayhem. That is the fucking theme of season five. I'm so glad to be back on the podcast with you, Renee. The feeling is mutual. And we will uh, thank you for joining us all as we venture off into season five. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. See you on the flip. On the flippity flop. Do you want to do your thing? Hells yeah. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at RavageLove on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.